0: Well, I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Luke, the book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, uh, Luke and John, the first four books of the New Testament. We invite you to turn to the book of Luke in chapter two, and we're going to continue our uh, short, this three week uh, Advent uh, series through the Christmas prayers. Uh, We've already looked at the uh, prayer of Mary and the prayer of Zachariah, Zachariah was John the Baptist's father's father. Those preceded the, the birth of Jesus. And then we look today at the prayer of Simeon and just heard a, a song that uh, if you notice the words there were from the prayer of Simeon. And we're taking a look at these Christmas prayers for a couple of reasons. I'll just mention again. Uh, one is a, a fresh lens. Right. The the things of Christmas are hopefully wonderful to us, uh, things that draw us up to, to worship and rejoice in this savior, this uh, son of God who came fully God, fully man, so that he could be righteous, be eternally uh, worthy of value and be offered up for us, a substitute for you and me. But the fact is, as wonderful as that is, it can become a little rote for us year to year throughout the weeks, even of Advent. And so hopefully these looking at these Christmas prayers is sort of a fresh lens on something we we know about. We we know in general, probably the nativity scene and the things that took place there. These prayers give us a little fresh lens to that. Uh, They also hopefully help us by giving us a specific application for a desire that I imagine all of us have. Even if it's just kind of on the surface level, you say, uh, maybe not even so much of a spiritual thing, but I, I just, I want this season to be meaningful. I don't want it just to be caught up in the consumerism or the busyness of the, the time. I, I want it there's to be some depth to it. Per, perhaps, perhaps others of us here would even go a step further and have maybe said at the beginning of this month, I really, I really want to draw close to the Lord. And, and there's kind of an idea that, that that should happen, that should take place, but... But then we don't really know how to move beyond that wish or that desire. And and prayer is one of those vehicles. It's always available to us, but especially this season of Advent, it's a it's a time for us to focus and, and looking at folks who prayed around the time of Jesus coming into the world and hearing their words. Give us words to use in our prayers, in our time, individually, as couples, as uh, as a household, whatever your situation would be to to use these words in prayer. And then uh, lastly, it, it, it is the season. It uh, is the season for our uh, church family, uh, both in the struggles that some of us face, some of us dealing with the memory and, of someone that maybe we lost this year or going through struggles right now. Uh, others of us, uh, maybe just the, the season is, is not all that it can be. For us, so we, we pray for one another that way, and then then also with expectation. It, it is the season to expect what God is going to do uh, on Christmas Eve as we invite friends and neighbors. Into the New Year's, we head into our missions month and all that we expect for the Lord to do then. So it's always good to be praying about those things, and these Christmas prayers, again, help us focus ourselves on God's kingdom. As we uh, turn to this passage again we're we're now in the season after Christ has been born, but still within about forty days or so of that time frame and, and we're we're going to hear powerful words of praise and prayer that come from a man who we hear nothing about and know nothing about before this point, and we hear and know nothing about. Afterwards, he, he he swoops onto the scene, and then disappears almost as quickly as he's come. I invite you to stand with me as I read aloud and you read along silently. Luke chapter two, verses twenty two through thirty five. And when the time came for their purification, J- Jesus's family here, Matt, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. According to the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written, the law in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. You may be seated and let's pray again once more. Oh, Father, we are. Greatly thankful for your word and all the things it reveals to us. I pray that this time looking at Simeon's prayer would be a chance for us to see things about salvation and about what you have done for us, Christ. And I pray that, like Simeon was drawn up into prayer and praise, and even just walked over to these. Parents, we don't have any knowledge of him knowing who they were personally or them knowing him. And and then he he didn't really even have a formal role. there, just taking up Jesus and praise. I pray that we would uh, be lifting you up, engage with you through prayer and that all of this would strengthen our prayer life and flow downstream as Simeon's prayer did from who you are, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Gamblin' Man, Los Del Rio, Baja Men, Falco. Well, unless you watch an inordinate amount of VH1 channel, uh, you probably don't recognize too well the names of these one-hit wonder bands or performers. Maybe their songs, though, would be familiar to you. And I spread them out over a few different generations for all of us here. Kung Fu Fighting. The Macarena. Who Let the Dogs Out. And Rock Me Amadeus. Were the songs these folks sung. And they were people a little bit like our figure Simeon in this passage that swooped into the music scene, their songs shot up to number one or number two or whatever on the top charts. Some of them stayed there for a while. And then you probably didn't recognize their names because they were gone as quickly as they came. But nevertheless, uh, left their mark. Uh, Simeon left uh, so much of a more powerful mark, didn't he, in his prayer, in the words that he prayed uh, for us to learn from and for us to understand who Christ is, and and we're going to look at that. We, we want to get a little background to fill in and help us understand what his prayer meant and what this encounter that he had with Jesus's parents and so forth, all of that, the meaning to that. And then we want to we're going to take a look at, at what do we learn from his actual words of prayer and, and praise and the message that he gave to Mary. Uh, the first thing though that that I think is amazing is to look at how Jesus even in his infant state, is already fulfilling the righteousness for you and me that we fall short of. Look at verse 22 with me, if you would, there in our passage. It talks about this purification, right? And you may have gotten, you know, a little bit jumbled up what's going on. But basically the idea that you, you need to understand is that there was an expectation. That every uh, firstborn uh, male would be brought in this way in the people of Israel as part of the law of Moses. And isn't it amazing that Jesus, who created in his triune nature, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the law came from him. Here he is putting himself under the law to fulfill what you and I can't ultimately fulfill. To perfectly do what... None of us would. And the, the law was meant to do that for the people of Israel, kind of to be a mirror in front of their face and to say, hey, all of us need redemption. All of us need mercy. All of us need rescue. Here we have the infant Jesus uh, doing this. It uh, reminds me of a, of a different sort of song than the ones I just mentioned a minute ago. Uh, the title is kind of interesting. It's from the Indelible Grace uh, album. One of those, I believe, It's entitled Love Constraining to Obedience. Not a not a super not as catchy as Kung Fu fighting, I don't think. But uh, but the words are powerful. Listen to the the words of this song and and think about Christ and what he's done, uh, even doing for us in his infant state here. It says to see the law of Christ fulfilled, to hear his pardoning voice changes a, a slave into a child. And duty to choice. How long beneath the law I lay in bondage and distress, I toiled the precepts to obey, but toiled without success. Back then, my servile works were done, a righteousness to raise now freely chosen in the sun. I freely choose his ways. To see the law of Christ fulfilled, to hear his pardoning voice changes a slave into a child and duty to choice. So right out of the gate, we see Jesus doing these things for us that that we can't you know, really even do for ourselves. The book of Romans tells us that whether you come from some sort of spiritual background, uh, like like the Israelites did and had some defined religious law, or you merely have the conscience and conviction on your own heart that, that everybody in the world has. All, all of us see at some level there's a way that we are to live that we don't live up to. Jesus is beginning to do that even in his Infant form. And then this leads, not surprisingly, to Simeon. Isn't this interesting? This guy, Simeon, again, he, he comes on the scene and disappears, but he doesn't seem disappointed, does he? He's not bummed that this is the only role he has to play. He's actually excited. Look at these verses. It it tells us that he'd been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, that he wouldn't see death until he saw the Lord's Christ. So we're kind of assuming that he was uh, further along in years here. I think that's a fair assumption. And then verse 29 and 30 says, Lord, you're now letting your servant depart in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation. He's excited. Just, Just. He's excited to see Jesus and to encounter Jesus, even if it's just for this one moment. And even if it's Jesus just in his infant form, he's elated to have this experience. I like what um, one person commented this week that came through on my Facebook feed. He said uh, he said this. He said the first call of the gospel, the first call of the gospel is not behave, but behold. I like that. The first call of the gospel is not behave, but behold. We see that in this passage. As Simeon beholds Jesus and is drawn up to him. That's the same thing is true for you and me. We say we want our lives to be transformed, engaged with the kingdom of God. How do we do that? We enjoy the expulsive power of a new affection. We've drawn up into Christ and the things of Christ come in and bam, drives the other things out. That's what's happening in this passage Now. Does that mean God doesn't care about whether we behave, what we do? Oh, no, it's all over the scriptures. He wants us to 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 turn and, and live a new a new life for Him. absolutely. Uh, you can even see it in the the folks in the passage. We won't look back at at the section on Mary or Zechariah, but you remember with each one of them, they were described as people who were righteous. And I mean, they were perfect. But it meant they were seeking after the Lord. And then we read about Zacharias here. This is, or I'm sorry, Simeon here in verse 25. It says that he was righteous and devout. Righteous and devout. So in my mind, that means he, he didn't like just do the outward stuff and not really have a heart for the Lord. Nor did he kind of be a sort of spiritual person, but not really, you know, get down to brass tacks and actually change anything in his life. He had both of those things. He was, he was trying to be righteous and he was seeking to be devout. He, he was knowing the Lord in that way, what a picture of uh, who Simeon is. And as he grab grabs Jesus again, we don't, you know, uh, moms here, maybe, maybe some of y'all. It was a little while back, but you can remember others of y'all. It, it's just happening right now. You have your infant child. Imagine somebody coming up. This guy, Simeon doesn't have a formal role. He's not like the pastor. They're coming for baptism and you're he's supposed to get the baby from you. He just takes Jesus. Holds them up in his arms and gives these words of praise and prayer. And what can we learn from those words with all of that background in mind? Really three things. And if you want to follow along in your worship guide, I think these uh, these bullet points are back in your sermon notes section. The first thing we see is that Jesus is coming for all peoples. Verse 31 and 32, it says real explicitly here. You have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to Gentiles and for the glory to your people, Israel. Jesus is coming for everybody. It it, it causes us to be mindful of the verses in Revelation uh, chapter five. that give us a picture of what heaven will look like. Chapter five, verse nine, where it says that every tribe and tongue and nation will be praising the Lord Jesus at that place. And it. It helps inform my prayers uh, this season, just like the prayer of Mary and the prayer of Zachariah does to remember that what we're invited to pray about in in this Advent season is not just this little parochial thing, not just something just for our little community here, uh, not just for people that maybe look or act like us. But but we're praying when we praise Jesus, we're praying for the Lord of of all peoples everywhere. And and, and what a reminder for us too. That we ought to, to have a heart as a church family, and, and I, I'm hoping next year we can, this is kind of one of my, my, my top three things, prayer, kind of evangelism outreach, and then uh, the third thing, and, and the, the elders and I, I know in January, hopefully we'll get some time to talk more about, about these, but, but, but to have a, a heart to reach out to the diversity of our community around us for folks from all different backgrounds and nationalities and ethnicities and religious backgrounds. There, there's woven into this work of Jesus, this idea that we ought to reach beyond just folks that that look like us. So our, our, our prayers, let, let, let's be honest, as we think about our prayer life, one thing we can probably pray right off the bat is that uh, uh, rather than maybe being uh, concerned as, as folks that, that look like a lot of us in here often do, that, that our community is maybe changing, or uh, different folks from different places are coming in, and, and what's going to happen to our housing value? We ought, to, we ought to be less concerned about those things and more concerned about the fact that we've got an opportunity to reach out and engage with a multi- multiplicity of people, a multi-ethnic, multi-background community. What would it look like for the Lord to do? that in our hearts uh, the the boys and I I've got four boys and we were out uh, getting the haircuts done the other night at Great Clips Great Clips we went in there and it was fascinating just to sit there uh, it was the, the Trace Crossing one I was was in there by Publix if you ever go over there and and we we had our family who who look 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 like we do the Peters family And the ladies uh, cutting the hair were uh, from some other nationality and and background. I I couldn't really even discern that had uh, an African-American gentleman and his uh, son in there and then had a a family that looked like they were Middle Eastern descent. You know, there we are in in great clips and God's bringing us all together right here in in our part of Birmingham, uh, Alabama. Uh, There's an opportunity for us as we build relationships, as we think in the new year about uh, things like backyard Bible clubs and maybe extending those clubs that we did in the summertime and inviting others around us to to come and engaging with our neighbors. Uh, Maybe there's some here that would have a vision to help us to to do English as a second language or some kind of program that we could minister. But I, I think, wow, Jesus is inviting us to pray that way. So he comes for all peoples. We can be thankful for that. Because some of us here are from a a, a Jewish background, perhaps, but most of us aren't. That's not our lineage. And yet he's come for us. He's come to redeem and and rescue us, be drawn into his kingdom. Second thing we see in these uh, verses and that might inform our prayers as well is that Jesus kind of comes just to shake things up. Look with me at verse uh, 34. It says this. He says, behold. This child is appointed. This is now Simeon kind of giving additional words to Mary. He says he's been appointed for the fall and and the fall and the rising of many in Israel. Sounds kind of like the uh, verses we read uh, a couple of weeks ago in Luke chapter one. That Mary declared, this is back in Luke 1, verse 52 to 53, if you want to read in her prayer, where she said, he's brought down the mighty from their thrones and he's exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he sent away empty. Jesus is shaking things up. He's turning things upside down. First Corinthians chapter uh, chapter one uh plays all this out, lays all this out in even more detail. If you want to turn there, you can. I'll read a, a, a number of verses from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse starting in verse 18. And it talks about the way that this great, you know, seriously crazy idea that the Son of God would come into the world, not just to sort of be anointed as a king and rise up and rule in that fashion and, you know, dominate and have the prestige that he deserves, but to choose to come humbly in the way that he came in a, a stable and simply in that way. And then to to, to even humble himself beyond that and, and come on a cross and and die to to have that be the pathway that he's going to be king and going to be our our Lord and savior. Uh, this is what the Apostle Paul is is mulling on. And he's talking about how it, it, it rattles everyone's cage it It shakes things up. First Corinthians chapter one, verse 18, it says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, saying to those who don't embrace it. But to us who are being saved is the power of God. For it's written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning. I will thwart. Where's the one who's wise? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of the world, God did not. For instance, in the wisdom of of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what was what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. A stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. God's an equal opportunity. A uh, stumbler, difficulty presenter, turner of upside downs. Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God for the foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. And then just a couple more verses for consider your calling, brothers. He's talking about their calling to come to come to Jesus, to know Jesus. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world. He's talking about them to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not to bring to nothing the things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He's the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness, our sanctification and redemption. Therefore, as, as it is written. But the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. That ought to inform our prayers, right? Uh, first and foremost, it, it, it shakes things up for you and me, right? Reminds us that the, the way that the pathway as we think about Christmas and we're praying Christmas prayers or so, something. We think about Jesus coming. The world is humble in his humble fashion. We're reminded that the pathway to greatness in the kingdom Do you believe this? Do you believe this is to go low and he will lift us up like uh, Philippians says in chapter two, that that prayer that the apostle Paul was teaching uh, his hearers to pray and that I've confessed before that I need to pray because of my prideful, self-sufficient heart, where it says uh, our attitude in Philippians two should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God. Didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant and being found in appearance as a man. And then he humbled himself. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Uh, therefore, God, it says, is highly exalted. him. Mean, he's kind of our model. He's the means and the model. God's highly exalted him, given him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord To the glory of God the Father. But I'll inform our prayers that we come to the Lord and we are grateful for the way that he he tells us to humble ourselves. And we know when we humble ourselves in prayer, that's one of the key pathways. The moment you start praying, you and I do anything, whether it's a two-minute prayer or a 25-minute prayer. The moment we bow our heads, if we're we're seeking the Lord in it, that's an act of humility. It's an act of saying, I can't do life by myself. So prayer is... Is that pathway to kind of shake things up for ourselves? And then it's a way for us to pray for our world, that things would be shaken up in our world. Now, we we know that ultimately all things are not going to be remade and shaken up in that sense and made in the right way until God's heavenly kingdom comes in its fullness. But, boy, we can pray now for you know those who use their political power for uh, pursuing injustice. Those who use it to defend the taking of the lives of the unborn would be brought down would be voted out that uh, those uh, those who are business leaders and abuse their power in business and and don't treat their employees uh, well that uh, they would see the consequences of that those that are in the, the media and manipulate the facts so that a, a not so discerning popular culture sometimes uh, misses it and gets misguided. Those in, in academia who claim to be teaching knowledge and truth but don't really uh, open their minds to the reality of God as the source of truth that in all those places things would be shaken up that God would uh, turn things around. Last thing we see. And these verses, and in case you hadn't noticed, it kind of gets uh, it gets more and more acute as we get to the last part of this. You know, we go from kind of general dream. Let's pray for God to do something through us that would bring all nations and peoples together. And uh, and then in zooming in closer to the fact that he shakes things up. And then the last part of what Simon or Simeon says to uh, to Mary, look at at verse uh, thirty five. It is. Let me get back there too. Luke chapter two. We're back in Luke chap chapter two. Luke chapter two verse thirty-five. Simeon says to Mary, "So that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So that the thoughts from many hearts." May be revealed. We talked about this this morning, actually, in uh, Sunday school. One of our elders, Paul Johnson, shared. Uh, it reminds me of the passage in Hebrews chapter four, where it, it it talks about the fact that the Word of God is living and active, and then it kind of slices into you, you know, divides you, cuts you open. Uh, me and the boys went to see the. The new uh, Hobbit movie yesterday. We had to get out there for it. So that was a special treat from them. Um, seemingly endless uh, battle scenes. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy. I like a battle scene just like anybody else. But, uh, you know, when you kind of half an hour for one battle, that's, you know, two people fighting for half an hour. That's a long time. That's a long battle. But uh, a lot of slicing. Right. spg PG-13. So it's not it's not like Braveheart. But anyway, you know, they're being opened up. They're, they're, they're cutting, they're slicing, and the scriptures it's describing it that way, and that doesn't sound very pleasant to us. it not think like it's going to harm us, but but what uh, Simeon is talking to Mary about is is actually the beauty of that. You know, God sees and knows the things about us that nobody else does, whatever those things are. And he gives us the privilege of coming to him because, now, if he was not a gracious God, if he hadn't sent a redeemer, then we'd just run and hide, right? Or we'd fake it, you know, fake it till we can make it. We'd, we'd fake some kind of religious thing. But because he's both gracious and righteous, then we can come and say, you know what? And that's why we do it in our worship service. We have a call to confession each week. and we say, why, why do you do that? It's kind of you know, overly structured. It kind of jolts everybody. I invited some friends and neighbors We're you know, three Three minutes into the worship service and we're talking about our sin. Well, I don't know any other way to do it. Maybe maybe y'all can come up with one. But Jesus reveals those thoughts of our hearts. And here's what's beautiful about it. When we're opened up, then it's like the surgeon. That's the picture we ought to have. Well, not so much the battle picture, but the surgeon. The surgeon's got to open you up to be able to do the work to fix you. And that's what he does. That's what he does. And uh, and he invites us through through prayer to, uh, to pray and ask him to do that and to, and, to, and to come to one another, to sit down and pray with one another. Maybe, maybe there's one other person maybe that you pick and you say, I want I want to sit down with this person and pray and I want them to know. I want to kind of be accountable to opening myself up and being honest about who I am and what I struggle with. Uh, that's how Simeon's prayer, or at least a few of the ways Simeon's prayer, can inform our Christmas prayers. Uh, in conclusion, I, I did have the chance to to look up uh, one other one-hit wonder, and it's a, a song by a gentleman. You might know this one a little bit better. His name was Norman Greenbaum. Norman Greenbaum, not not the catchiest you know singer singer name. Maybe that was maybe that explains the one-hit wonder. Um, but uh, Norman released this song back in 1969. Went straight to the top of the charts in. In uh, 1970, it's interesting because he was an Orthodox Jew and I think he's still alive to this day and remains so. So he's not he hasn't received Christ. He's not a Messianic Jew, but interestingly enough, wrote this song. He said he wrote the song in 15 minutes and it's not full of, you know, the kind of spiritual depth that our worship songs are full of. But uh, but but it's entitled Spirit in the Sky. And I thought it was interesting in light of Simeon being a one hit wonder. This this song came to mind. It says uh, when I die and they lay me to rest, I'm going to go to the place that's the best. When I lay me down to die, going up to the spirit in the sky, going up to the spirit in the sky. That's where I'm going to go when I die, when I die and they lay me to rest. I'm going to go to the place that's the best. Prepare yourself. This last part of it's pretty telling for somebody that didn't profess, profess faith in Christ. Prepare yourself. You know, it's a must. You got to have a friend in Jesus so that, you know, when you die, he's going to recommend you to the spirit in the sky. Uh, Christmas, we might say, is about having a friend in Jesus, a friend who, like any true friend, Cares enough to enter into our situation and help us out. Jesus coming into the world to redeem and rescue us. Uh, we know he came uh, as a Jew and within the context of the people of Israel. And yet, as we saw in in Simeon's prayer, he came to to uh, work his work of redemption among all peoples in all places. Uh, we know that he came to humble himself and came in a different way than people might have expected. And that shakes everything up, really, in the world when you think about it. And, and lastly, we know that, that he came to, to have us uh, open up our hearts to him. To, to meet with us in deep and personal ways. To cut even to the thoughts of our hearts and minister to us there. Let's pray. Father, we, uh, we ask that our prayer... Life uh, in these next couple of days before Christmas, as we uh, sit down and maybe carve out some time, maybe maybe some here even this afternoon would would be like me the last couple of weeks have have not found uh, the prayer prayer time that I really think I want and need. And may, maybe even some of the couples in here with little ones would would tag team it this afternoon and go, you know, go out, take a walk while the other spouse stays home and, and vice versa or go go drive somewhere in the car and get some Get some prayer time if we haven't gotten that uh, uh, certainly the the heads of household in here that we'd be leading our families in prayer. If we, if we haven't really got that focused on it this last month, we we would do that in the next couple of days. Just leading up into Christmas, Christmas time and whatever way we know how. Maybe we would just take these words from Mary and these words from Zechariah, just from Luke one and two and words from Simeon and just pray those back to you, Lord, and and meet with you in that. That way, however you want to, uh, to touch our lives, Lord, we pray that you would do that through, through prayer. And we thank you for this time this month to think about uh, prayer and how you, uh, you connect with us through it. And we can offer praise and worship to you through it as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.